The Coach's Roundtable is brought to you by Between the Lines. Between the Lines offers online training with current minor league affiliates from the comfort of your own home through online technology. With their coaching, watch your skills and money increase due to no longer needing to drive to get training. For more information, go to betweenthelines.pro. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Coaches Roundtable podcast. Today, I'm going to be joined by a few pitching guys who are going to break down some pitching insight and perspective for us. But enough for me. Let's get to know our coaches. We'll start with you first, Coach Anderson. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've been up to lately. Yeah, first off, Joel, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys. Um, Myself, I'm a pitching coach at Minooka High School. Um, I've coached there now for... Uh, about 15 years. Uh, this will be my third season as, as the pitching coach for the program. In addition to that, I am also the pitching coordinator for a uh, company called Mission 360. It's, it's a player development company uh, that tries to take a 360-degree uh, uh, mold, essentially, of, of these players and help them grow in all of those facets. So really excited uh, to be doing some work with them. Um, I have few certifications under my belt. I have both the, the driveline foundations of pitching and pitch design cert, the uh, Randy Sullivan Florida baseball range cert, and then the Rap Soto pitching cert. Um, in addition to that, also the creator of the uh, bullpen random pitch app for the iOS. It's a free app that allows you to uh, work in randomized practice instead of block practice, uh, which for me is, a, is a, an important piece of development all in its own. Awesome. We're glad to have you on. And what about you, Coach Bonnet? Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've been up to lately. I'm the uh, pitching coach at Benedictine University, uh, which is in Lyle, Illinois. Uh, it's about 45 minutes from downtown Chicago, uh, Division three school. So um, been the pitching coach there. This is my fourth year. Um, kind of been had a few more stops in the Midwest um, and, and Arkansas. Um, but yeah, I mean, Coaching pitchers, uh, it's kind of my love, um, so I, I kind of uh, do that at Benedictine along with all the recruiting and everything like that. Awesome. We're glad to have you guys on. And so we'll kind of start with the questions, and we'll break the ice with this one. This is one of my favorite ones to break the ice with. And we'll start with you first, Coach Bonnet. What's the craziest thing you've ever witnessed at a baseball game? I mean, I think the craziest thing, there's, there's a bunch of stuff um, that happens in the summers when you're out watching games and everything like that. But I think uh, the two years I spent at Southwest Minnesota State out in the middle uh, of the prairie in, in Minnesota, um, the winds would be so bad that we play home games and um, watching fly balls go up in the air and, and watch them either being blown out of play or blown back into play. I mean, I remember um, balls being hit to the shortstop in the air and then all of a sudden the wind comes and blows it back over our dugout um, on the third base side or, you know, guys hitting balls foul that blow all the way back into left and right center field. So, I mean, that was always crazy watching the the win there. Um, So that was probably one of the crazier things I've seen um, in person. And what about you, Coach Anderson? What's the craziest thing you've ever witnessed at a baseball game? This is a tough one for me. I I guess I've been, like, experienced a ton of, of, of really exciting things, right? So, like, obviously I go... We go to game four of the the way the Rays won that World Series. Um, or not won the World Series, I'm sorry, won that World Series game. Uh, and so I was trying to, like, find something crazy in my mind like that. Um, and nothing kind of popped up. But one story that I that um, we as coaches, we always look for kids that are real coachable, right? Like, 
here's here's your instruction. We want you to execute it. And so as I was kind of thinking through this, um, it kind of brought me to this story. So we we had a kid, uh, great kid, super super coachable, uh, and and really, if you told him to do it, it, it got done. Um, and so there was this one year, um, he's on third base, and I was coaching third base at the time. And uh, there was a pop up. Or no, I, I, you give the same routine, right? Like if it's on the ground, we're going to go. If it's in the air, we're going to look to tag, whatever. So there's a pop-up to the shortstop. So it's in the air. My guy takes off to start to tag on the catch. So I'm like, I'm screaming, get back, get back, get back. Fast forward now to the next year. It's the same kid, same situation. And I go through the same thing. I'm telling him what to do, and he's just listening. Um, and there was a pop-up to the catcher, uh, foul, top, foul territory towards the dugout. And he takes off, and I don't have time to yell at him. Uh, and he actually was able to slide under the tag on, on, a, on a foul ball pop-up that was maybe 15 feet away from the plate. So, uh, again, as, as a coach, that's a learning moment, right? You have to understand who your kids are and, and how uh, well they're going to execute your instruction or how literal they're going to take it. Um, but that was pretty crazy to see him exactly do exactly what he was told and then find success doing it as well. All right, so now let's dive in and get some perspective and insight. And we'll start with you first, Coach Anderson, with this question. When evaluating your first, what are the first things that you look at? For me, the first one—the first one's real easy. It's, it's going to be uh, either velocity or the potential to reach some velocity, okay? Um, velocity certainly isn't the end-all, be-all, um, but I, I think that is probably the easiest predictor for success. Um, especially here at the high school level for us, um, you, you can get high school, most high school hitters out with an above average fastball for, so for us, that's, that's the first place that we're going to start. Okay. Um, and then from there, obviously you want to hope that they can command that at least that fastball, if not a second pitch, and then certainly the ability for them to, to compete, right. Um, you know, not every time they go out there, are they going to have their best stuff? Is the kid going to be able to still battle for you, or is he going to fold uh, when he when he doesn't have his best? And what about you, Coach Bonnet? What are the first things that you look at when evaluating your pitchers? I think you know when you really go back, it's kind of a twofold answer. Um, so, like when I go out and we're recruiting pitchers and, and watching pitchers, um, the big thing is I want to see how their arm works because um, I feel like if, if there's no hitches in their arm, if it's clean, it's quick. Um, whether it's long or short, it doesn't matter. As long as it's quick, um, that guy, once he starts putting weight on and kind of maturing, I think the velocity will come. Um, just like Coach Anderson said, like velo, there is a threshold that, you know, um, you've got to throw. I think, um, like he said as well, velocity is king. Um, I think the great thing about velocity, and you watch it in the major leagues when you have, you know, DeGrom and those guys throwing 100 miles an hour, is it just gives you a, a larger... Um, area for error. I mean, you can miss middle middle with a hundred mile an hour fastball and still blow it by guys. Um, so I think that's, that's the one great thing about velo. But then once kids get into our program, um, we really try to assess our athletes on an individual basis. Um, whether it's mobility mechanics, um, you know, velo or, you know, using the rap soda to look at their secondary pitches and how they profile off their fastball. Um, and, and that way that gives us a a pretty good picture of um, what every pitcher is going to look like and hopefully down the road in two or three years. But 
kind of going back to the recruiting part too, um, my big thing when I watch arms is, can they get outs at our level right now? And then, but are their best innings still ahead of them? Um, I think that that's the biggest thing is um, there's still got to be some projectability down the line because this kid will be with us for four years. And so it's great that he can get outs as a freshman, but I want to make sure that he's going to get better um, as he goes through four years, or at least has the body structure and the arm and, and um, the accessories to kind of to, to be better um, as he gets to be a senior, junior, senior, upperclassman style. All right, so we'll transition with this next question, and we'll start with you first, Coach Bonnet. What are some mental training activities you like to do with your pitchers? Yeah, so uh, the mental game, I don't know if I take a different approach to it or not, but um, I think the big thing is I'm not really into um, some of the kind of um, acronyms uh, and, and different things that, that people use. Um, I'd rather I do a lot of reading about, you know, Navy SEALs and snipers and, and how to control your breathing. And I think there's a bunch of um, books out there, kind of, you know, the, the hidden game of golf or um, um, there's another book about the, the hidden game of tennis. I think those are great. And, and so we really talk about breathing and having routines. Um, I talk to all of our pitchers that they have a half a between pitch routine. Um, and it always includes a breath. Um, and so more of trying to slow the game down. I think when, when our pitchers get in trouble and things start to spiral out of control, they just want to grab the baseball and just go. And, and some of the times when I make a mound visit, it's just ma mainly just to, to calm down um, the pitcher, but also just to slow it down. Uh, sometimes I don't even go out there and say anything. I just tell them to take a deep breath and then wait a few seconds and then and get back to the dugout. So um, most of the mental game stuff that we talk about is going to be um, it's just slowing the game down with breathing. Um, and then, you know, once we kind of get a hold of that, then we'll start talking about, you know, how to take, how to deal with adversity. Cause you know, even at our level, um, there's some kids that come here and they've been all state, um, for two or three years and they've never failed in high school. Um, and that, that first fall is a, is a wake up call. Um, especially when you're facing 22 year old, you know, men with metal bats, um, and, and you get hit around in your first scrimmage and it's like, oh man, you know, where am I at? What am I doing here? Um, and so sometimes then you got to be a little bit of a psychologist and say, you know, it's going to be okay. And, and this is how we deal with adversity. And what about you, Coach Anderson? What are some things that you like to do with your pitchers in regards to mental training? First piggyback off uh, uh, Coach Bennett there. The, uh, I, would, I would say 90% of my mound visits, I will say in almost a direct quote of, I'm just out here to let you catch your breath. Um, I think that's such a, a powerful tool for those pitchers, um, you know, to, to just have that time uh, to, to do that. Because as, as Coach said, uh, when, when things go bad, everybody tends to want to rush through it. So um, that, that's pretty cool to hear that Coach Bennett, you're doing that same type of thing. Um, kind of helps me feel like I'm on the right path to, to helping those kids when I go out. Uh, in addition, just kind of the overall picture, same thing. Breathing is a big part of what we do. Um, you know, I'm a big, a big Alan Yeager guy. Um, and so his, his stuff is all about breathing. And so I've tried to incorporate a lot of his stuff into, into some of our training. Um, spend a lot of time on visualization. We're visually um, attacking a situation in a game with those dry throws, you know, whether it's, you know, the bottom of the seventh up one, um, you know, Facing, facing their best hit or whatever it may be, we're trying to visualize that opportunity uh, before we actually get 
feel like they've had that experience from a mental approach to what that might look like when they get in there. Okay. Um, and then the other one for us uh, is, is I'm a big believer in just experience. You know, uh, I like to have my pitchers as often as they can throwing to hitters live um, so that they can work through some of this mental stuff in a, in a non-pressure situation, but it's still pressured because it's, it's, a, you know, baseball players are competitive, right? Like you don't want to get shown up by your buddy. Um, but I guess the consequences aren't as high, right? So, um, breathing visualization, but then I think just putting them in that actual competitive situation, um, as often as possible to give them that experience before it really matters, uh, is really a big piece to how we kind of attack that mental all right, and so now I'll ask you this question, and we'll start with you first, Coach Anderson. What are things you like to do in the off season to help develop your pitchers, whether it be a particular drill, exercises, or et cetera? This one, this one is is I'm going to kind of give you a real generic answer for this one, um, but but I think it'll make sense as I give it. Uh, I think that you have to look at each and every one of your pitchers. A little bit differently okay and there's some kind of like a, a checklist of things that that i like to go through um first off is just kind of what's their what's their situation right now right so here we are in november uh i've got a couple of of pitchers that are going to graduate here in may that still don't have uh still don't have a home for their freshman year of college right so i'm going to probably approach those guys differently than i'm going to approach the junior class there's a little bit more, uh, I would say, urgency, right, on my on my older guys, um, because we've got to get them to a level where colleges uh, are going to want to show interest in them and, and bring them in for visits and, and those type of things. Where the juniors, we got a little bit more time, so we may take um, maybe a longer approach to those guys. Uh, but then also, as you're kind of working through that, what is the goals or what are the priorities? I think it's also important to kind of take a look at where you envision those players helping you in the spring right so you know my my top two starters are probably going to be on a much different routine than the guys that are fighting for the the fourth and fifth spot and they're going to look very their off-season plans are going to look a lot different than the fringe guys right the guys that are going to probably be on the team but not help us as juniors but we'll be looking for them to help us as seniors um, I think all of that kind of then molds into what that pitcher's off-season plan will look like, right? So if you're one of those guys that's not going to help us as a junior or we don't anticipate you helping us as a, as a junior, we're probably going to put you on a, a pretty big uh, strength program, right? We just need you to, to get bigger, get stronger, so that we can, um, you know, honestly add some mile per hour uh, to, to what they're doing. You know, the fringe the fringe guys, we might buy, we might be looking to – um, still have them in the weight room and do those type of things, but we might get more into uh, to identify a second pitch, right? Can we do some sort of pitch design work to uh, develop that second or that third pitch that allows them to help us find some success? Um, and then, like I said, your top level guys, you know, they we can kind of um, put them more on just kind of an arm arm care. Uh, type of program maybe they want to fine-tune something and we can work on that uh, but you just got to take a, a, a individual picture of each of your pictures in, in my eyes 
uh, as you build what that offseason plan is, um, and then tailor each kid's program to, to what that, that kind of overall goal looks like. What about you, Coach Bonnet? What are some of the favorite things you like to do with your pitchers in the offseason? I think a, a lot of what Coach Anderson said is going to be uh, pretty similar to what we do. But um, so after we assess all our athletes um, prior to starting fall practice, we kind of put programs together and we run in four four week blocks. Um, and so, you know, early in my career, I used to put like 16 week programs together um, and, and then let them go. But now uh, we kind of break it down. So that way, if we're fulfilling a goal of ours in the development process within four weeks, we can always um, tailor the program. So we'll have four week blocks um, and, and they'll have specific goals. And, and in those four weeks, it's kind of whatever the lowest hanging fruit is. We're not gonna try to train, you know, if, if a kid needs velocity, a secondary pitch and command, we're not gonna try to train all three in a four week window. We're, ever gonna, we're gonna find what, what he needs now and we're gonna train that for four weeks and then we're gonna reevaluate. Um, so after every four weeks, we're, we're going to meet with, uh, so we have a one-on-one -on -one conversation, myself and the player, we go over his last four weeks and then kind of where he sits and what we need to, to uh, take into consideration for the next four weeks. Um, but we kind of have like a five-step, five-tiered um, training um, program. So like the first is movement quality. We have to move well. Uh, I think mechanically, when, you, when you're talking about getting kids to move well down the mound, um, sometimes it's not always about the kid not knowing what you're talking about. It's the fact that his body just won't allow him to do the efficient movements. So um, in the assessment process, we take notes on all their movement qualities and then either um, say they're, you know, they're, they move well or um, they add stuff into their kind of their pre-throwing daily routine um, prior to practice. And then we look at throwing fitness. Um, and this is one of the things that I think you know, being um, relatively close to Manuka High School, I, I know that they do pretty well. And we've actually have some kids in our program from Manuka. Um, but throwing fitness is always an issue for freshmen um, just because they don't quite understand how much throwing is done at the college level. Um, and so like our program, we throw every day. I'm not big into, you know, there's only so many bullets in your arm. I think we can we spend all week between outings um, creating more. Um, by throwing and, and doing our plyo care work and, and arm care and everything like that. Um, but also getting them to understand, you know, long toss is a 35 to 40 minute activity. It's your batting practice for the day because we can't always get on the mounds and, and you know, throw every day. Um, and so getting guys to understand, yeah, we're going to get out to our max distance, whether it's 300 feet, whether it's 200 feet, whatever it is for that day. But then we're going to sit there for 15 to 20 throws. Um, and then depending on the day, if you, you know, if you're A, B or C day, then you have compression throws. Um, we, we do um, kind of mess around with some weighted ball long toss, which is a, probably a different um, avenue that we can go down and, and talk about. But we do mess around with a little bit of that. Some of our guys like it a lot. Um, and, and so just getting them to honestly be able to handle the throwing and the workloads of a college season. Uh, then we move into velocity, like, like we talked about before it's King. Everyone wants it. You're never going to ask a pitcher, Hey, do you throw hard enough? And the pitcher's never going to be like, yeah, you know what? I don't need any more velocity. Like even if you throw in a hundred, people want to throw 102. Um, so we're always going to train that, um, pitch design stuff. We're lucky. We have the technology. We've got the rap soda. We've got the cameras. Um, we've got everything to be able to develop secondary pitches, but a lot of the time with the pitch design, it's not hey, your off speed is not good. It's the fact that we've got to profile it based on your fastball. 
Um, you know, what are you spinning your fastball at? And then is this actually going to, is this breaking pitch actually helping you or hurting you? Um, we also take into consideration arm, uh, yeah, um, arm action and release point and where you're at. I mean, if you're a low three quarter guy trying to throw a 12, six breaking ball, you know, just gravity's not on your side. Um, and so trying to figure out, you know, what are spin rates? You know, we have a kid right now who's our number two, uh, he's going to be a senior, um, and, his first two years, I was always on him, and this was before we had the rap soda. And I'm always on him, like, man, you're just living up in the zone. You, you gotta get the ball down. You gotta get the ball down. And but he was getting swings and misses, and so I'm like, well, I guess we can live with it. But then we get the rap soda out, and he's spinning his fastball at like 26, 2700. I'm like, well, no wonder you're throwing up in the zone, and no one can swing and uh, and hit it. So um, we've kind of changed the game of uh, we don't always have to be down in the zone. We've got to move the baseball north, south, east, west which then moves into command. And we do a lot of different things with command. Um, I've actually got um, tarps that we've actually made uh, that we put Velcro on and we have targets and we move them all over the place. And it's everything from scripting them out um, and throwing kind of a flat ground off a mound to playing horse or pig, creating a little competition. Um, we also do some stuff with weighted balls and softballs and lacrosse balls, throwing different sized balls, um, different weight balls, throwing up the mound, down the mound. And different things like that and, and I think that's really helped us command wise but one of the main things we've really changed this year is we do everything off a mound other than playing long toss because um, I really I mean obviously science has shown that there's not much stress or there's less stress on your elbow um, going off the mound than it is on the flat ground and honestly we're doing all our work in the game on the mound so we're gonna we're gonna work off the mound as much as we possibly can whether it's plyo care stuff um, PVC pipe work um, med ball um, anything like that, we're going to do it off the mound. Great stuff, guys. And this next question, I'll start with you first, Coach Anderson. When calling pitches, what are some of the things you look at or thinking about when you call those pitches? Sure. So there's obviously a, a, a lot of variables that you kind of work through, and, and you got to work through them, obviously, at a pretty quick pace. Uh, and and. For me, the first place I really start, to be honest with you, is is the pitcher themselves. Um, I early on in in my coaching career, um, I was kind of stubborn about about letting uh, guys kind of shake off pitches or or, or kind of call their own game or, or or whatever. And as I've kind of started to do this more, um, I, I see it more as is not a defiance, but more of a, a confidence thing, right? Um, you know, a, a kid, a kid's in the bullpen and he feels like his curveball isn't there. It doesn't matter if it is or if it isn't, right? It, it, it matters what they feel about it. Um, and so, obviously, in the bullpen, warming up after the warm up, really, my conversation with with my pitcher isn't anything really about how we're going to attack that next inning, but it's more about again, kind of what are they feeling? What's working for them? What do they have confidence in? What do they want to go to when we got to have the pitch? You know. Um, my whole thing, right? From there, then obviously uh, the opponent plays in the situation, right? Like if, if whether you're down by a lot or up by a lot. Uh, but for me, it, it really starts and almost ends uh, with what the pitcher feels or what the pitcher has confidence in. And what about you, Coach Bonnet? What are some of the things that you're looking at or that you're thinking about when you're calling pitches? Pitches. I mean, I think at, at our level, um, we're very lucky to have the amount of information we do on hitters um, where, you know, if, if we have a senior, if we're facing a team that has seniors 
uh, in their starting lineup, and they've been in their starting lineup for four years. I mean, we have 30 or 40 at bat worth of data um, to be able to go off of. And so um, that's, so then we start to talk about uh, what those hitters have done, what we can get them out with, what they swing at a lot, what they hit hard. You know, are they cheating um, when they're, you know, ahead in the count 1-0? Are they going to cheat on a fastball? Uh, and so we can start talk about that kind of stuff with the hitters. But a lot of it also is understanding that there's three visual points we have on every hitter. We have it from the catcher. We have it from myself on the bench. And then we have it from our pitcher. So between innings, we, we sit there and we kind of discuss what are we seeing? Um, you know, there's going to be some stuff that I can't see that our catcher sees. The catcher is going to give us report on, you know, what the umpire, where, what he likes, where he's given us pitches. Um, on my game card, I, you know, we have a lot of the same umpires in our league. So, um, I keep notes on our umpires and, and where, you know, the zone is and, and what they like and what they don't like. Um, and then when you really look at the hitter, um, there's just different things that you can look at. You know, if the bat's straight up and down, he probably can't hit the high pitch. If he's got a very level bat, you know, like, uh, like a Paul Goldschmidt type, um, bat, he probably can hit the low, he can probably, uh, hit the high pitch, but he's going to struggle with the low pitch. Um, if his elbows are spread way apart, he probably can't hit hard in. Um, and so there's just different things you look at the hitter, but also, you know, in the fall, we really talk about, um, the effective velocity and, and perceived velocity of fastballs and breaking balls and where foul balls are hit. You know, if you have a right-handed hitter and he hits a ball over the first base dugout, well, he's late. So we, you know, if that's a fastball outside, let's bring it in or stay with the same pitch. Let's not slow or speed his bat up with a breaking ball. And so there's a lot of conversation that go into it. Um, cause you know, I do call every pitch cause I feel like we have this scouting report right in front of me. Our head coach sits next to me and moves defense and, uh, in the infield and outfield. Um, so he is always asking what pitches we're calling. And I think that works better to setting defense, but our pitcher does need to think about the game. He does need to shake off. Um, if, if he doesn't feel comfortable throwing that pitch, cause he's got to have a hundred percent conviction over each pitch that he throws. Um, and so I do give our guys freedom to shake. I just tell them, I just need, we just got to have a plan, whether it's a good result or a bad result. If I ask you, Hey, why, why'd you go with this? And if you're just like, you know what? I want this pitch because of X, Y, and Z. Then I'm like, oh, that's fine. We can live with that. Um, as long as you're thinking through the game. Um, but we do a lot of teaching in the fall. I also keep a card kind of like what coach Anderson was talking about going back to the pitcher. I do keep a card in my back pocket. I, I, I chart everything from the fall and, um, what our pitchers like to throw in each count and give a percentage of, you know, fastball, curveball, slider, change up in each count and what they like to do. And so then, you know, if we are in a situation where it's three, two, but we, we got a guy that loves to drop his breaking ball in there, um, three, two, you know, and he does it at a high percentage of the time, maybe we can go to that and kind of, you know, we want to go against the hitters weaknesses, but we also, you know, we got to be feel comfortable in the mound throwing each pitch. Great stuff so far, guys, and we'll kind of wrap it up right here with this question, and it's my favorite question to end a podcast with. And we'll start with you first, Coach Bonnet. What's the best piece of coaching advice that you've ever received? So my first year straight out of college at UIS, um, I spent hours putting together a uh, throwing man, like a pitching manual and, and what our staff was going to be about. And I was a volunteer, and our head coach um, was his name was Mike Zandler. He was a he used to be the pitching coach at Davidson College in North Carolina, and and then after UIS he became the pitching coach at Harvard. Um, and I remember thinking, you know, this is this is the best thing I've ever done. And I I gave it to him, and he looked through it, and he was just like, yeah, we're not doing any of this. 
which was a shot to the gut. And I was like, oh, man, I thought I, I knew what I was doing and, and I had no idea. And so then he kind of sat me down and was pulling binder after binder and DVD after DVD of Ron Woolforth and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and driveline wasn't really around then. Um, and so I just started delving in and he was like, you, this is the stuff that you've got to know. You, you've got to learn this kind of stuff. Um, so he really helped me with the, the teaching of pitching and the development of pitching. Um, and then the guy that I worked for at Southwest Minnesota State, Paul Blanchard, um, he always told me, you know, the craziest thing about this game and, and coaching is the fact that your livelihood and how you're going to feed your, your family and provide for your family is based on 17 to 22 year old kids. And he's like, if you really think about it, that's very frightening because how many times do you see 17 to 22 year old kids making mistakes? It happens all the time. And that's what your livelihood is. So the more that these kids trust you, the more that these kids understand that you care about them, um, the better that they're going to be. But if you don't care about them, you're, you're going to have to find a different place to work because uh, or a different uh, avenue of work because they're just they're never going to help you out in, the, in this profession. And what about you, Coach Anderson? What's the best piece of coaching advice that you've ever received? Yeah, I, I think I'm going to kind of piggyback a little bit off off the end of that that last uh, segment there by Coach. Uh, I think that you have to, uh, or I, you know, I, I I learned again. Kind of, I the head coach that that I coach for is uh, you you pick up so much from just the way he does things. Maybe not in a, in a but you can see the way that he treats players. Um, and, and the way they love him for it, and then the way they um, will then respond to him, okay? Um, and so I've really tried to, to emulate that, right? Like players know, even if you're tough on them, um, that at the end, you really care for them. And, and as you go through that, I think it's also really important for you to, as a coach, to kind of be a role model of, of the expectations that you have for your same players, right? So a big thing for me has been here now over the last couple of years is trying to continue to grow as a coach, right? So we're always after our players to to develop this during the off season or to work hard in the season or, or whatever it is. Um, and so for me, I've kind of taken that and, and tried to do that for myself, right? So instead of relying on the things I always knew, um, you know, it, it's going out and continuing to learn, pulling out the DVDs, reading books, going to clinics, getting certifications, whatever it is. But it, it's important, I think, to show the players, look, I'm, I'm trying to improve. Um, and I, I think that goes a long way in them realizing how much you do care about them and the program that you're working for. Um, and it, it kind of just builds that relationship to, to have all parties working towards that same end goal. That wraps it up for the Coaches Roundtable podcast. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. If you would be interested in being part of an episode yourself, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at Coach Crato, K-R-A-T-O. Thank you.